0: Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture
1: clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to
0: the Word of a King. The key to understand the word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen, amen. Welcome back to another episode of The Word of a King. I am your host, Chad Reese, pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And with me is the co-host, Brother Ryan Beam. Brother Brian, how are you doing today?
1: Great. Ready to do it.
0: Amen. Amen. We are looking forward to uh, just recording another episode, and we are going to continue and hopefully wrap up our review on Brother Doug Stoffer's book, uh, Tribulation Salvation. And uh, I know I've enjoyed myself. I know Brother Brian has also. Again, we are not taking this chapter by chapter or word by word. If you want to get Mother Doug Stoffer's book and read it, uh, feel free to do so. What we're doing is kind of taking the key points and uh, examine them in light of the Scripture and to see if they hold up to the Bible scrutiny of what the Bible says. And obviously, um, as you've listened to the first two episodes, if you did, uh, hopefully, hopefully we've laid out a biblical argument of our objection to Brother Doug Stoffer's book. And uh, so, in this last episode, I want to deal with one of the subjects that I thought was interesting, that probably is one of the only new arguments that I've ever read or heard in regards to tribulation and salvation. And that has to do with the supernatural protection of the believers during the tribulation. So uh, I guess just for a moment, wave introduction, Brother Brian, outside of this particular topic today in regards to the supernatural protection of the believers, was there really anything else in the book that you found that you have not heard before or have not, you know, someone who has Brother Doug Stoffer's position? Was there anything else outside of what we're going to discuss today that, that you found in his book?
1: I think that's the only thing new, just the same old... Same old arguments.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we see those. And again, a lot of times when you're dealing with Bible subjects, a lot of the same um, arguments or positions are brought up. Uh, I believe Brother Doug even kind of alludes to the fact that this is a, um, something new that God showed him. And um, I'll just read. The, this is uh, chapter 9. He says in his book, God sometimes allows Bible truths to remain buried until he gives the insights needed to excavate them. And then he gives Proverbs twenty-five two. For instance, the narrative of Christ's return to earth at the second coming, Revelation 19.11, contains the critical components concerning those who ultimately receive the mark of the beast. And uh, so he, he basically says that, this truth has kind of been buried and hid, and he's received this revelation. Nice, yeah. So that's a uh, that's that's interesting, and uh, I have some thoughts on why it's been buried and why it has not been published before. But maybe I'll save those thoughts to the end of the broadcast, and I think you'll understand why. Um, but uh, so, Brother Brian, what I'd like to do is kind of read his two proof text verses, and then I'll give a synopsis of what he believes, and then we'll discuss that. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, so I'll read Revelation chapter 19, verse 20, and then I'll have you read Matthew chapter 24, uh, I believe it's verse 24, is that correct? Right. All right, so again, I'm going to read the two proof texts that he has. Brother Brian will read the one in Matthew, and then we'll discuss kind of his overall position about these believers being supernaturally protected. And then we'll examine that in light of the scripture. So Revelation chapter 19, verse 20 says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. Those both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. All right, Brother Brian, why don't you go ahead and read Matthew chapter 24, verse 24.
1: For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect.
0: All right, so he takes these two verses. And again, Brother Doug offer, please feel free to comment if I misrepresent what you wrote or if I misrepresent your position. But basically he takes these two verses and states that every believer in the tribulation will be supernaturally protected. And his proof text again is Revelation 1920 and Matthew chapter 24 verse 24. And he says, see there, those that are deceived take the mark of the beast. Basically the deception is taking the mark of the beast, and since Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 implies, and I would say implies correctly, that there's a group of people that won't be deceived, therefore, every believer is supernaturally protected from taking the mark of the beast, since the mark of the beast is the deception. Hmm. So, I'd ask you, Brother Brian, and then we'll get into the details is that what let's start a Revelation chapter 19. Is that what Revelation chapter 19 says? Does Revelation chapter 19 say that those who receive the mark of the beast that that receiving it is the deception? Is that what it says? No. <laughs> it
1: does
0: not. <laughs> so let's let's hold off on why we believe that in expound on that and for in a moment. But before we answer that question, is that what Revelation nineteen twenty says? Let's give the benefit of the doubt and let's just consider for a moment if that is what the Bible's teaching. The implications of that teaching. So, so again, the idea is God is going to supernaturally protect the believers. And the deception is deceiving people and taking the mark of the beast. We know during this times there's going to be the devil, the antichrist is going to be doing all these miracles. There's going to be deception. There's no doubt. And the protection is for the believers. So what I'd ask you, Brother Brian, is what about the lost? Are the lost, according to Brother Doug Stoffer's position, are they protected?
1: No, they're not the elect. Well, unless... Unless
0: he's a Calvinist, but I don't know. <laughs> right. So, and, and I had to say, Brother the Doug Stoffer probably agrees with that. He would probably say, no, the lost are not protected. So that raises the question. The Antichrist is deceiving people. There's all these strong delusions and, and the deception has taken the mark of the beast. And the protection is only for the believers. And all believers aren't going to be deceived because the deception has taken the mark of the beast. Then how could any lost person get saved, and I say that with quotes because we'll talk more about that in detail, but wouldn't they be deceived if they didn't have this supernatural protection that Brother Doug Stoffer says every believer needs during the tribulation? How could they get saved if they're not protected? They
1: can, I guess.
0: (laughs) And and that would be the logical conclusion if you teach this is basically the protection is for the believers— all those that take the mark of the beast are deceived because that is the deception. But the problem is when you make that the deception, and the only protection from that is if you're a believer, then you end up taking a Calvinistic position of stating that those who don't take the mark of the beast are those who are not deceived, but that's only for believers. Believers. And so hopefully the the listening crowd, the viewing crowd, is following the logic to this. I believe it opens up a theological nightmare Mm -hmm. of doctrine. And and again, I'm not saying Brother Duxtoffer is a Calvinist. I say it leads to a Calvinistic position, and God's going to protect those who will believe or Mm -hmm. um, because everyone else is going to be deceived because the deception is taking the mark of the beast. Now, we don't believe that. We don't believe that's what the verse says. So Brother Brian, why don't you read Revelation 19 verse 20 again and tell us what the Bible does say in regards to Revelation 19.20.
1: And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image.
0: So according to Revelation 1920, Brother Doug Stoffer's proof text to show that God is going to protect all believers and the fact that those who received the mark of the beast are those that are deceived because the deception is taking the mark of the beast. The way you read that verse and the way the verse reads actually is the complete opposite. So so just for the listener viewer's sake, what is it saying?
1: Those who already received the mark. He doesn't say he used miracles and deception to deceive them into taking the mark. They had already received the mark, and we'll see how that works in a minute. But they that already had received the mark, past tense, were deceived.
0: Absolutely, and, and I think that's very clear, and it's very critical for this, this study here. Again, I'll read it one more time, Revelation 19, 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. See, the deception is, once someone has already taken the mark of the beast, he deceived them which had receive the mark of the beast. So the deception is not taking the mark of the beast. The deception comes when one already has taken the mark of the beast. And I believe that answers so many questions and makes the Bible cohesive. You don't have to take a Calvinistic position. Again, this is going to be Um, seen throughout the rest of the, the verses that we go through and hopefully lay this out in a logical manner. But what we're submitting to you is once somebody takes the mark of the beast, that is when the devil deceives them. He doesn't deceive them into taking it. Those that had taken it, those are the ones that are deceived. Now, let's deal with Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24. Why don't you go ahead and read that and try to expound a little bit on that, Brother Brian. Matthew 24, verse 24.
1: For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So the devil and his demonic forces and the beast and the false prophet will deceive the whole, the whole earth, which we read elsewhere and we'll look at later. But he's saying if it's possible, there's some group, the very elect, that they will not be deceived, if it were possible. So it's not possible, which we would agree, Brother Stauffer says, it's not possible that whoever the very elect are, it's not possible for them to be deceived.
0: And absolutely, and, and I think understanding that is critical. But, but that raises a very important question that must be answered who are the very elect. Is the very elect the nation of Israel? Is the very elect every believer in the tribulation? Or is the very elect a very specific group of people? And we're gonna come to that conclusion here in a moment, but we know, Brother Brian, in the Old Testament, who was the elect? Israel. The nation of Israel, the nation of Israel was the elect. In this age, during the church age, who's the very elect in the church age?
1: Sons of God, born again.
0: And uh, why, why why, do we teach and believe that we're the very elect? Obviously Paul called, Paul calls us elect, but I believe it's because we get in to Christ, and Christ is his elect. And that's why we as Gentiles are considered the elect, because we're in Christ. And Christ is his elect. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're considered the elect. So he, here's what I'm driving at. If you take Brother Doug Stoffer's position, you have to make the very elect every believer. You have to make them the Gentiles, you have to make them the Jews, you have to make them everyone. But again, does that hold up to scripture? Can can we prove that? And I believe, and you believe, obviously, the answer is no. And hopefully we're able to show that here in a moment. Obviously, I don't believe it's the Gentiles anymore because, again, the only reason us Gentiles who are without hope and without the promises of God are considered God's elect is because we're in Jesus Christ. And the rapture of the church happens the bride's gone. So, again, now is every Gentile considered the very elect? I would say no.
1: No.
0: Is this a reference to... All the Jews, are they the very elect? But but again, the problem is, Brother Brian. Hmm. Let, let's say it is just the Jews, and, and yep, you say, yep, this is talking about the Jews during the Tribulation. What would happen to the Gentiles? Are the Gentiles protected then? Apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> According to this logic, then the Gentiles So So you're forced to come to this conclusion that every believer is considered the very elect. Well, let's see if we can figure out who this very elect is so why why don't you talk about this for a few moments i've been doing a lot of talking i want i want to give you a chance to explain who do you think this very elect is and we'll yeah who they are who they are not let's let's talk about who they are first and then we'll circle back of why we know who they're not okay so we'll deal with the rest of matthew chapter 24 in a moment but let's just talk about the very elect who who do you believe these very elect are during the tribulation brother brian
1: well a cross reference mark thirteen twenty. he says same verse whom he hath chosen
0: so these are chosen folks
1: chosen and if we go to this apparently is some special group of people who have special protection and of course the Bible gives us some more information. If you go to Revelation 7, which is dealing with the Great Tribulation.
0: So what, when you're turning to Revelation 7, well, you may you can come back to Matthew 24, 31. But yeah, go ahead. Revelation 7, go ahead.
1: Revelation 7. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Verse 31 of Matthew 24. It says, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect...
0: Right. That's what we're talking about. We want to find out who is like Who are these elect? Right. Who's this very elect? He will gather his elect from the
1: four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So we've got some more information on the elect who cannot be deceived. So let's go to Revelation 7, verse 1. After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds, mm. there it is, of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. So who are these elect? And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed Mm. the servants of our God in their foreheads. And then we read on chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. It's the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each tribe, 144,000. And if you go to Revelation 14, it gives you more information on these 144,000 literal, physical Jews, Jewish descendants, 12 tribes. Revelation 14, 1, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name mm. written in their foreheads. Mm. Verse 4, These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among the... From among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. So these hundred and forty-four thousand are sealed. Mm. Kind of sounds like us. Ephesians four thirty, sealed into the day of redemption. We have special protection. We right. don't lose salvation. We don't have to endure to the end. We're right. sealed. Well, these hundred and forty-four thousand during the great tribulation are sealed also. Sounds like they're a special group. Sounds like they maybe they're a, the very elect that he's talking about. And they also have the name of the Father in their foreheads. Mm kind of sounds similar to what the lost will take who are deceived
0: yeah absolutely and so I think uh line upon line precept upon precept comparing spiritual things with spiritual things we see the Bible is going to define who those very elect are of Matthew chapter 24 verse 24 he tells you and connects you to them in Matthew 24 verse 31 again with the four winds when you do your cross-referencing and this is how you study the bible the the four winds is connected to a very special group of people probably because they are the very elect and and again you raise some just interesting connections and correlations and always encourage people to study these things out more but what you have what you have is this group of people, the 144,000, that's 12,000 from each of these tribes, represents the whole house of Israel. They're chosen. They're sealed. And they have the father's name in their forehead. They're protected by God. Well, that would fit Matthew chapter 24, yeah. verse 24, of how they cannot be deceived. You know why? Because they have that mark on their forehead. I hope you are following along with a mark And either protection for deception or a mark that will lead to you being deceived. And again, God has just a funny way of writing his word to make these correlations and connections. And if you'll study the matter out, they come very clear. So what we're submitting to you is the very elect are the 144,000. Those are the ones you read about in Revelation chapter 7. Those are the ones you read about Revelation chapter 14. Brother Brian, wouldn't you say they are supernaturally protected and they won't be deceived?
1: Yeah, that would fit everything that Matthew 24, 24 is talking about.
0: Now, I think even more convincing if hopefully you start to see, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I I think if we take this a step further, we can show from the Bible that this doesn't apply to all the Jews. Brother Brian, if you don't mind reading, reading, read Matthew chapter 24, and let's just start in verse 3. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ talking to? Who is this chapter? What, what is this? So why don't you read Matthew 24, verse 3?
1: So we're going to try to actually get the context?
0: Yeah, let's get the Imagine context.
1: <laughs> Instead of taking one verse and trying to prove a whole doctrine and ignore context and ignore the rest of the Bible. Matthew 24, 3, and as he, Jesus Christ, sat upon the Mount of Olives... The disciples mm. came unto him privately. So the audience is just the 12 disciples saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of mm. the end of the world. Mm. And Jesus answered and said unto them, who's the them?
0: That, that's the ones he just talked to, the disciples.
1: Take heed that no man deceive you.
0: Whoa, 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 wait, wait, brother Brian, we gotta stop for a moment. Isn't Matthew chapter 24 known as the Olivet Discourse, isn't it the truce of the great tribulation, the truce of Daniel's 70th week? Isn't this what this whole chapter is about?
1: That's
0: it. And he's addressing Jewish disciples that are believers and yet he warns them That what? Take heed that no man deceive you.
1: Why would he do that? They can't be deceived.
0: Right. That's that's, That's what
1: Brother Stauffer says.
0: Right. If they can't be deceived.
1: Certainly the 12.
0: Why is he warning the Jewish disciples not to let any man deceive them? Wouldn't it make sense if they are the very elect and they can't be deceived, that Jesus would simply said, hey, I wanna tell you about this time that's coming and there's never been a time like this before. He goes through all the details, the rest of Matthew chapter 24, but I got some news to share to you. You won't be deceived, so don't worry about it. Yeah. But he doesn't do that. No. Matter of fact, he doesn't warn them once. He doesn't warn them twice. He warns them multiple times throughout this chapter. Why don't you read the next verse there, brother?
1: Verse five, for many shall come in my name, saying I am Christ and shall deceive many.
0: Mm. So there's gonna be one that's gonna deceive many because they're gonna come in his name and shall say I'm Christ. Now we see the deception is not just limited to the disciples, now it's brought into many. But again, the warning, don't miss it in verse four. Take heed that no man deceive you. The Lord. And he's talking to the 12. Right. So obviously, the Lord wouldn't give them a warning if they couldn't be deceived. Right. And so then we progressed down further. Why don't you read verse 11?
1: Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And by the way this matches I have 2 Timothy 4:3, 2 Timothy 3:13 to the body of Christ, 2 Peter 2:2. 2, 2, all throughout the test of the Bible, all different dispensations, many not only can be deceived, are deceived. Right. Many of the saved have been deceived, but he's got this supernatural special exception. Which, by the way, we didn't talk about this, he has to, because if you take the mark, Revelation 14, you're damned, you go to hell. Correct. So that's part of the tribulation salvation is you have to endure. If you take that mark, you're done. So Brother Stauffer has to say that. If you don't believe in dispensational salvation, you have to teach that there's some special protection, therefore they can't get the mark and they can't be saved. And he's just creating a doctrine out of thin air, totally taken out of context the verse. And it's nowhere in the Bible. Everybody throughout all dispensations, people have been deceived. Right. There's a great deception now. It's a great falling away. It's the great apostasy that we're living in. Many saved are deceived. I don't go around saying all the Christians are lost and going to hell, so-called Christians, because, you know, they're deceived.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, your point is well taken, and I hope people consider it. Every dispensation ends in apostasy. Every dispensation shows the failure of man, of course, but it also shows the grace of God. And there's never been a dispensation where every believer doesn't stumble, fall, backslide, commit sins. And you see that in the Old Testament. You see that in the church age. You see that, well, not if your brother Dirk Stoffer, you had to come to a position that all of a sudden you're going to have these super believers. And although the Bible describes this as the worst time that's ever happened on earth, the worst time ever, talks about, uh, again, in the same chapter, uh, verse 19, 24, 19, and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, and pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And during this time, all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. when you can't even buy, sell, or trade, you're gonna see your children starving. I mean, all this persecution's going on. But yet, not a single believer will take the mark of the beast. But as you pointed out, you have to come to that position if you do not believe in dispensational salvation. So I think it's very clear. Brother Brian, don't you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was warning the disciples, not to be deceived.
1: Yeah, and that matches all the Bible. Matches Matthew 24, it matches Matthew 5, 6, 7, Sermon on the Mount, it matches the book of Hebrews about endurance, endurance, endurance. You know, it's impossible for those that they shall fall away to renew them and again to repentance in the truth. All those verses that all the people that believe we can lose salvation, all the people that add words, those verses are in there, hundreds of them, for a reason. They apply to someone. We know they don't divide. They apply to the body of Christ. Right. We're eternally secure. Works have nothing to do with salvation. But they apply somewhere if you take them literally. And that'll match the book of James. where you have warnings about, which we'll get into later, about right. taking oaths and all that. Sure. It all matches
0: it matches and reconciles and answers so many questions as mean you've been talking about this subject and many other discussions about this this is why you have so many cults and and false doctrines that teach a conditional salvation again because there are verses in the bible that teach a conditional salvation. Now, I just wanna be clear, I know I said this on the last broadcast, and, and I'll say it again, I do not believe that they are saved like you and I, brother. No. I don't believe they're they're born again, I don't believe they're sealed on the day of redemption, I don't believe they uh, you know, have all the exceeding precious promises that are to us, that they're in Christ, that they have imputed righteousness of Christ. So that's why I believe the terminology is wrong when we talk about you know their faith and works is how they get saved, no. This is this, they're not saved until the end of the tribulation. It is conditional upon what they do. And so we'll get into that in just, just a moment, but I, I want to, because this is very important, I want to recap Brother Doug Stoffer's position and recap what the Bible says. Brothers Doug Stoffer believes, because of Revelation 19 20 and Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, that every believer, will be supernaturally protected from deception. And that deception is taking the mark of the beast. And as you said, Brother Brian, the reason he comes to that conclusion is he knows very emphatically and clear that Revelation chapter 13 states clearly in other passages in the book of Revelation, if you take the mark of the beast, you're damned. Now that raises a very good point. There is a difference between our salvation and theirs. And this is so simple, but it's so profound. There's something they can do that will ensure that they could never be saved. Right. Take the mark. Brother Brian, in this day and age, is there something that anyone can do outside of denying Christ where they can't be saved?
1: No. <laughs> That's what also matches impardonable sin. During Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, he said there was one sin that there's no forgiveness for. Right. Well, the. Just like during those times, there is a time during the tribulation that there's a sin that you are done. You take the mark, you are damned, the smoke the torment, the son of the torment is of up forever and ever, they have no rest, day or night. Revelation fourteen, that's the unpardonable sin, which was what? you had to watch Jesus Christ commit a miracle on the earth. Right. So you gotta have a time machine, a flux capacitor, more twenty one sure. gigawatts. <laughs> sure. And of course, during Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, he's under the law. He hadn't died yet. So, go back under the law, watch Jesus perform a miracle, and say you did that by the power of the devil, Beelzebub. And then you can't be saved. But that's what does that have to do with the church? Well, nothing. Right. But apparently, you know, and also that would apply in tribulation. There's something you can do that'll damn your soul forever.
0: And Brother Doug Stoffer knows this. Just that that, truth alone. That
1: blows up his book.
0: Right, that truth alone.
1: Dispensationalism is true. So you have to do something with it. So he finds one verse. He's been searching for years. He finally found the one verse that he can build a whole doctrine on. Because he has (laughs)
0: to. And that's what he kind of says in his book. He's finally found the truth that's been buried. I'll just say it now. I think it's been buried because it's not true. (laughs) I think other people's read that and came to the exact opposite conclusion because that's not what it says. But again, just understanding that there is something you can do that will damn you and make you not saved. Shows you there's a difference between the church age and the tribulation. That also shows you there's a difference in eternal security. I think this idea that well they're they're you know just like us in the church age and you know they they're going to be supernaturally protected and they have eternal security too. Well, brother Brian, is eternal security keeping you from something that will damn you? Or is eternal security keeping you despite what you do?
1: The latter. <laughs> despite ladder. what I do. <laughs> I am persuaded neither death nor life, angels, principalities, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah, So, and the reason is is because we have a spiritual circumcision. We've been cut away. Uh, the, what we do in our flesh is no longer charged to our soul. Amen. And they don't have that in the tribulation because no. it reverts back, as we're gonna get into in just a moment, to an Old Testament economy, and I'll show you that emphatically from the scripture but my point is to teach that i have eternal security yet you know there's a verse that would override the doctrine of eternal security many verses, <laughs> yeah, many verses yeah. but specifically we're dealing with the mark of the beast and, and to know that and then to teach they have eternal security i i, I can't fathom that because You have to come to this strange doctrine that all of a sudden no believer will take the mark because, you know, taking the mark would damn them. And therefore, that would overturn the doctrine of eternal security. Listen. If it's not going to happen, the mark of the beast was available today. Brother Brian, if you took the mark of the beast, would you be damned?
1: It would do nothing to me.
0: Nothing at all. That's why we don't have to worry about okay. taking the mark of the beast. We don't have to worry about the vaccine, and if I take this, I might be taking the mark of the beast. We, of we don't have to worry about any of that because there is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. My body's been cut away from my soul. I've said that already. So again, just that truth that there is something someone could do and that will damn them, and there's something something someone would do, and if they did it, they would lose their salvation. Um, it shows you things are different.
1: Right. Yeah. The- One of the, you know, I've taught on security. I'm sure you've, I know you've taught on eternal security. There's like 30, 40, 50 reasons why we are eternally secure. And every single one of them is because of what we have in Jesus Christ, what the body of Christ has. There is no body of Christ. The body of Christ begins at Pentecost. It ends at the rapture. They're not in the body of Christ. Old Testament saints aren't in the body of Christ. Solomon and Saul and Samson and Abraham weren't in the body of Christ. Our sins are imputed to Jesus Christ. Theirs weren't. My sins are taken away. The Old Testament saints' sins weren't. In the tribulation, they won't be. I am one with Jesus Christ. I am joined with him. That's why I can't lose salvation. My sins are uh, spiritually circumcised. That doesn't apply in the tribulation. Right. Like There's so many reasons, and it ties to the body of Christ. And we looked at Ephesians two seven. all the goodies we get in Jesus right. that they did not have in the Old Testament, that they won't have in the tribulation, they won't have in the millennium where you have physical death, you have animal sacrifices right. again. That You can't take church promises and apply them in the tribulation, but we've gone over that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have, but I do believe it's worth mentioning again, and I think it really, I don't know the right words, cheapens the the blessing that we have in right. Christ. And again, the church is going to be raptured. The things are not going to be the same. You don't right. then just take all these church-age truths and right. superimpose them into Uh, the tribulation period into uh, Daniel's 70th week.
1: I think that's people's resistance. Most Baptists or even the fundamental Baptists looking forward to the cross, Baptists that believe salvation just like we do. It's a free gift. Can't do anything for us. Not a works. We get that so ingrained in our heads, which is wonderful. It's street preaching, knocking on doors, whatever the case can be, witness to no coworker. But you can't, you have to divorce that from tribulation or old Testament salvation or, or salvation in the millennium. The, we're so ingrained with that, it's hard. Like, how can we lose it, or how can we be good enough? That, that's not what's going on there. It's not a, it's not a free gift. It's not a, a lot of it is entering the millennium, entering life. They have to endure to the end so that they can enter the millennium. They can't take the mark. You can't apply church promises on tribulation saints because they don't have any of those promises. Right,
0: and, and I think, uh, again, just for the viewers or, or listeners who may watch, uh, listen to this um, just audio version, the reason we're saying that is you don't have those promises written to them. You don't find those in the book of Revelation. You don't find those in the book of Hebrews and James that are dealing with tribulation context. You find those truths in the Pauline epistles written to the church. Now, again, if you, if you had those in Revelation chapter 14 and 15 and 16, you know, where they talked about that they were sealed on the day of redemption, where it talked about, you know, all these truths, then yeah, you would have that. But the point is, you don't. And what they have to do is go back to Pauline church age truths and say, see, they applied to them. I would say, what is the importance of the church then? Why 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 does the church have to be raptured out of here? Why are we so significant if everything stays the same? But but I think this is a good l- launching pin into 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're not going to deal with the whole subject here, but this no no doubt is uh tribulation in context. All right. So I want I want to read a few verses and kind of launch into this a little bit. Look uh um let's just get down to, oh, let's pick up in verse four. It says, who opposes and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Obviously, this is going to happen. And during what time frame, brother Brian?
1: Sounds like. Great tribulation.
0: Great tribulation. Exactly what it sounds like. This is obviously the mystery of iniquity. This is the Antichrist declaring himself to be God. Lucas says, Remember ye not that when I was with you I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Uh, some of that stuff is for another podcast another day, but I'm just laying the context of the the when this is talking about this is talking about Daniel week. This is talking about the great tribulation. And it says there in verse 8, and then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and that perish, why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Again, it didn't say so they would be saved, that they might be saved. It's conditional salvation in the tribulation. But what I wanna point out here is verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now we showed you already in Revelation chapter nineteen, verse twenty, those that are deceived are those that had taken the mark of the beast. And here the the deceivableness of all unrighteous and them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth. And so this raises the question, we'll deal with verse 11 in a moment about the strong delusion, but this raises the question, what is the love of the truth during the Great Tribulation? And what I'm getting at is what's being preached? So Brother Brian, just take a few moments. According to the word of God, address, is the gospel of grace of God being preached? what's being preached and what is the love of the truth that they rejected and therefore they were deceived. So just take a few moments and tell us about what's being preached during the Great Tribulation.
1: Okay, Matthew 24, verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end. Context is clear, the end of the tribulation, the beginning of the millennium, the second advent. 100%, no disagreement there. And then shall the end come. So during the great tribulation, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. This gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of the kingdom, because it says gospel of the kingdom, right? That Jesus Christ preached in Matthew 4.23, that he sent out the uh, twelve disciples of Matthew nine and Matthew ten, mm-hmm. and they preached the gospel of the kingdom. Find the final verse.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Matthew I'll bring it up.
1: Ten five, and these twelve Jesus sent forth, commanded them saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, mm. and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. So Jewish message, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you preach, as you go, preach saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at Matthew nine thirty five. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is a Jewish message. It was a preparation for the king. The king is coming. Jesus Christ has come. John the Baptist preached a similar message. In Isaiah 40, it calls it glad tidings that John the Baptist preached. In uh, Luke 4, Jesus goes in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he opens up the book of Isaiah, and it says he had scripture, and he quotes, uh, it's anointed me to preach the gospel right. to the poor. And you go to Isaiah, and of course it says, glad
0: tidings. So let's just pause there for a moment. That gospel, and you've said it already, but I just wanted to clarify, that gospel that's being preached, the gospel of the kingdom, the, the gospel that's being clearly preached on the tribulation, is that the gospel the grace of God? Is that the gospel that you and I preach?
1: 100%, which Brother Stauffer agrees with us on this, 100% is not the Gospel Paul preached. The Gospel Paul preached, Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, That is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, First Corinthians 15, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. The Gospel Paul preached that saves sinners from hell, that is the righteousness of God revealed, Romans 1, is that Christ died for your sins, He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You show us where the 12 preach that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we'll send you a check for 10 grand. Forget the free book. (laughs) They did not preach that. And they not only did not preach that in Mark chapter 9, and there's about seven, eight different accounts. One is Matthew uh, 16, the famous account where Peter rebukes Jesus. The art Peter, upon this rock I build my church, gates of hell. And uh, Jesus (laughs) tells him, I'm going to die, be buried, raised again. And Peter's like, that
0: is not going to happen. Right. Right. What does Jesus say to him? So that means when Peter went preaching the gospel, he wasn't preaching that because he didn't even believe in it, didn't want it to happen. And actually, there's eleven references, 11? eleven references yeah, in we, the I gospels. Go two. ahead.
1: Mark nine ten, Jesus says they're going to kill me. I'm going to be uh, the Son of Man risen from the dead. Then you're going to understand the Mount of Transfiguration. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. And then Mark nine thirty two, and you said there were eleven, but they understand. He says he taught his disciples, the son of man is delivered into the hands of men; they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. That's the gospel.
0: Right, Right. death, Death, burial, resurrection. resurrection. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. So the Bible is very clear. They weren't
1: preaching Paul's gospel.
0: Right, so it's very clear they were not preaching Paul's gospel. It's very clear that we saw that the gospel of the kingdom has nothing to do with the death, burial, and resurrection. And listen, That is the truth that is being preached during the Great Tribulation. This is where we have to hone in on. You do not find a single passage dealing with the Tribulation, dealing with Daniel 70th week, that they're preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just believe on him, you'll be saved. They're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. As he mentioned, John the Baptist, we'll talk more about him in a minute. That's what they're preaching, the preparing to receive the Messiah. And uh, what else is being preached? In Revelation 14,
1: 6, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. So here's a different gospel. To preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So is that Paul's gospel? Let's see. Same with a loud voice. Here's what he says. Here's the everlasting gospel, people. Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth... Paul never preached that in Acts.
0: Doesn't sound like believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved.
1: Sounds like another
0: gospel. Sounds like another gospel Relations did. It. One. Yeah, Paul say? warned <laughs> about that. So how do you reconcile that? <laughs>
1: Paul, Paul said though I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. This guy isn't not only accursed, he's preaching the truth of God. He's telling him to worship God.
0: And that just raises our point you that the, you guys you must rightly divide and the gospel of the grace of God is not being preached no. during Daniel's 70th week. The only way you do that is you take passages that are written to the church and apply them to the tribulation period daniel's 70th week and again that's what you have to do when you try to make everyone saved just like you and i uh that you have to superimpose church-age truths there and uh so so you did a wonderful job we see that they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom we see the everlasting gospel is being preached um what else do you want to add here let's talk about some other few things
1: about the oath i'm not sure if we want to get yeah to go ahead there. yeah
0: it's
1: the just uh, consider this with the context of tribulation, taking the mark, you take the mark, you are damned. All right, uh, James 5, which, who was James written to, sir?
0: The 12 tribes scattered abroad.
1: Okay, that would make
0: sense. That would line <coughs> up
1: with uh, tribulation doctrine. James five eleven. behold, we count them happy, which endure.
0: Endure. Uh, endure to the end. Mm-hmm.
1: You have heard of the patience of Job. The
0: patience of Job, 42 Job, chapters. Right. 42 months in the great tribulation, Satan himself attacks him. At the end, there's a great resurrection. Yeah. Sounds like a Joe good book on tribulation.
1: Persecuted, And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy, but above all things, my brethren.
0: Hold on, hold on. Above all things, I'm sure, right. because this is about believing our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Tribulation period, we know this is what I was talking about. It's all the same. Right. So surely above all, James is going to conclude this matter to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, right?
1: That or don't kill anyone or don't blaspheme the...
0: Something. What does he say, though?
1: Above all, brethren, this would match Paul, of course, swear not, Hmm. neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. Hmm. Why, above that, above everything? Wow. But let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Matches something in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which, of course, the constitution of the kingdom. If you apply Matthew 5, 6, and 7 literally to the church, you've got a lot of contradictions because they don't match. Matthew 5, 34, Jesus Christ, but I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne.
0: Mm. So again, what... Match the mark of the beast. Right, and you're not going to swear an oath to the... Antichrist or take his mark. Again, you know, you raise some other things we won't do for time's sake, but I'll just highlight. Obviously, in the book of James, you have a Gentile that's mentioned in James chapter two, and that is Rahab, mm. and uh, interesting there, we see that Rahab is justified, according to James chapter two, when she did what? When she took care of the Jews. Mm. Now, that's very interesting. Uh, I'll kind of tie this in quickly, but uh, Rahab is a picture of the sheep nations at the sheep and goat nations, and they get to go into the millennials simply because they did what, Brother Brian?
1: They took care of his brethren, the Jews.
0: They took care of the Jews. They fed them. They clothed them. They took care of them. Why? Those Jews are going to be fleeing. And some Gentiles, just like Rahab, are going to see them fleeing. And they're going to take care of them. And God says, because you clothed me, you fed me. You you did all these things unto my brethren. Again, that's a reference to the Jews there. You get to go into the millennial kingdom. Again, that puts them in the tribulation period. It's not because they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's simply what they did. It's works. It's works and they took care of those Jews, and Rahab's a beautiful picture of that. By the way, the Bible says, I believe it's in Zechariah, that the God's going to fight for the nation of Israel as he did in the day of battle. The day of battle is Joshua chapter 10, when those kings, those five kings go against the nation of Israel, the sun stands still, and God fights for them. So that would be a picture of of the second advent when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and fights for him at the battle of Armageddon where all those nations and kings go against Israel. And just prior to that would be the tribulation period. And guess who you find there? Rahab. And she takes care of those Jews. So again, what you have is some Gentiles there that get to go into the millennium because they took care of the Jews. Now, there's no doubt that Rahab believed that the Jews God was the God of heaven. And I'm not implying that those Gentiles are not going to believe that the Jews God is not the God of heaven. They are, but they're going to take care of those Jews. And because of that, James says that she was justified because of that, those Gentiles in the tribulation are going to be justified and they get to go into the millennium.
1: Now, Brother Stauffer would say, or maybe some of you are thinking that you you don't understand dispensational salvation. You would say, so they get eternal life, or they get born again by works? That doesn't make sense. But that's your whole problem. They do not get born again. Their sins aren't taken away. They're not spiritually circumcised. They get to enter Matthew 25, 31 to 46, which matches perfectly with what Brother Sam and Rahab and Joshua and James 2. They get to enter the millennium. Right. That's a physical, literal place on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Jesus Christ is on the throne. We have new bodies. Anybody who's resurrected will be at the angels. They cannot die, and they get new bodies. We'll be like Jesus. But there will be people who survive the tribulation and get to enter with their physical flesh and blood bodies that will die. Right. They get to enter into the millennium, into the kingdom just like, on earth. They're just, not born again. They're not saved. Their sins right. are forgiven. That's why you have a millennial temple. That's All this stuff fits perfectly if you rightly divide.
0: And they would fall under, as you already stated, the constitution for the millennium and the Sermon on the Mount. Right. In Matthew. And they'll fall under those guidelines. So
1: works, works, works throughout. That's why every Catholic and every person that believes in works posts a sermon on the mount.
0: Right. And and again, this is why I want to emphasize again, I've done it many times, we do not believe that they are just saved and born again. They don't just call upon the Lord like you and I and, and all of a sudden get saved. Now, since I mentioned that, that kinda of is a good point to again reemphasize that they are not preaching the gospel of the grace of God. Will you, um, obviously, I know you can quote it, but get Romans chapter 10, and obviously, we, we know this, verse 13, so if you wanna quote it or read it, um, and then explain to the listeners and the viewers the context in regards to the tribulation. What, what Paul quotes, but then apply it correctly according to the bible what's going to happen in the difference between us and the tribulation period why don't you talk about that for a moment
1: right romans 10 13 which is also in acts 2 with peter he says romans 10 13 whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved
0: now where, where is that a quote from brother brian joel 2 in joel chapter 2 everyone no one disputes this you know bible believers out there joel chapter 2 is talking about uh, the tribulation period, the, the you know um, Daniel's 70th week, and it's talking about the armies. And but in Joel chapter two, instead of saying "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved," what does it say in Joel chapter two? In Joel chapter two,
1: what verse? Yeah. I know what it says. I'm trying to find the verse.
0: You can just, we'll find it in a second, but a Joel chapter, I don't have the exact. Whosoever shall call upon name of the Lord shall be delivered. Shall be delivered. And again, I'll get the exact reference in just a moment. I'm sure you'll find it while you're looking there. Um, but the point is, if it's the same, if someone in the great tribulation could just call upon the Lord and be saved, then why didn't it say that? It doesn't say it. It says they'll call upon the Lord, and they shall be delivered. And so, again, it shows you that the things that we preach today and the truths that we hold to today are not the same in the tribulation. I'll, I'll find the reference in just a moment, brother. But uh the physical deliverance. It's a physical deliverance. Like
1: in dirt of the end.
0: Endure of the end. And like Brother Stoffer points out in his book, um, it reverts back to the Old Testament where they had a physical promise, a physical deliverance, because what we're saying is when the church is raptured out of here, it's going to go back to that old testament set up of the wicked and the righteous, and they're gonna be delivered. They're not gonna be saved, they're not gonna be born again like you and I. That's the problem,
1: people keep reading.
0: So I'll find that exact reference in a moment, just we have it, because we mentioned it, but why don't you talk a moment about, because I want to transition to this, and kind of start wrapping up. What did John the Baptist preach? Because I, I think this is important, and not only talk about what John the Baptist preached, talk about, for a moment, how he could have been a fulfillment of Elijah. So deal with what he's preaching and deal with how he could have been a fulfillment of elijah and then we'll tie that into um where, where i want to transition in the book of malachi but go ahead and talk about that for a few moments
1: isaiah 40 verse 1 of course isaiah 40 talking about john the baptist comfort ye comfort ye, my people saith your god speak ye comfortably to jerusalem crying to her that her warfare is accomplished Second Advent, millennium. Jesus dies, comes back, forgives Israel their sins. For she hath received the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. Who is this? Verse 3, Isaiah 40. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway of our God. Verse 5, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. This John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, appears, of course. Verse... 9 O Zion that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Mm. John the Baptist. John the Baptist could have been Elijah. And that's in Matthew 11, 17, 18, I believe, where Jesus Christ says, If ye will believe it, this is Elias which was for to come. Elijah precedes Jesus Christ. And then we have the second advent. That's the Old Testament. That's When you rightly divide your Bible, it makes perfect sense. The kingdom offer was legit. John the Baptist would have been Elijah. He would have been the predecessor of Jesus Christ. But the Jews rejected uh, Matthew. says oh, often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers a chicken, but ye would not. They didn't want the king. They wanted Caesar. So Jesus left. Church age. That's where we come in. 2,000 year church age. And then we see, of course, Revelation 11. John the Baptist or Elijah shows up in right. Revelation 11 with Moses, one of the two witnesses, and that precedes the second coming. So it's just postponed 2,000 years. But John the Baptist could have been um, Elijah, and he preached the gospel, Isaiah 40. And when you read his message in Luke 3, he says, O generation of vipers who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come, say not within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, if I say it. God's able these stones. And he preaches works to them. Yeah. He says... Um, you know, quit this and quit exacting more that is necessary. Bring forth works meet for repentance. Right. And he tells them to get down in the water and get baptized. And he's talking to a bunch of lost people. He's preaching works. He's, he preaches what's called a gospel, glad tidings, and it is not the gospel of Paul. It is the opposite of the gospel of Paul.
0: And uh, so, again, just to, to kind of recap that, because this is very important, and what Brother Brian just shared with you and gave you a bunch of Bible to try to wrap your mind around is John the Baptist came preaching, and that's uh, prophesied Isaiah chapter 40, Matthew chapter three, to kind of simplify this, says in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at, Hand. So he's trying to prepare uh, the nation of Israel, is trying to prepare them to receive the Messiah, to be prepared for when the kingdom comes. He goes on to say, verse 3 For this is he that was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, there Listen, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John's out there preaching in the wilderness, and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. But what is so important is, if the Jews would've received that message Mm -hmm. and would've received the coming of the Messiah, then he would've been a fulfillment of one of the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11. What that shows you is, this time frame could have been counted as what during the time frame, or at least you can see the message that's going to be preached during Daniel's seventieth weeks. It's going to be this same message. It's not going to be the message of believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Mm-mm. because this is what's being preached prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Not only is it not—that's a great point you bring up. This is the message John preached. Who would have been Elijah? Uh, he would have been the fulfillment in Isaiah forty and the, this is Luke 3 10 and the people asked him say what shall we do then I knock on doors all the time not all the time but <laughs> I've knocked it from my Christian life I've witnessed to save people if somebody says what do I do how about you watching this right now if somebody says what do I do I'm no good I'm a sinner I'm going to hell I you know I'm trusting my religion what do I do what would you you'd say believe on Jesus right? Christ say ask Jesus Christ into your heart say why don't you receive Jesus Christ he died for your sins was buried believe on him what does John answer he answered, said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. He either lied to him, he's either a crooked liar who's telling him information that will damn his soul, or you got to rightly divide your Bible, and it's a totally different message, and Brother is wrong, and they're looking forward to the crowd okay. crowd is wrong. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized. So they want to be baptized. These are lost people. He calls them generation of lifeless. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That's 3-7. Uh, these people come and they want to get baptized. Pastor Chad, you're a pastor. You baptize people. Right. Somebody comes to you, we're going to have a baptism yeah. at the park in a few yeah. months. Let's say
0: there's some somebody just comes up to you and says, Hey, preacher, I want to be baptized. What are you going to tell them? I tell them they need to repent and show forth. The, <laughs> works me for repentance. No, of heretic. course not. Heretic, absolutely no. What I would do in all seriousness is I would say, okay, before you're baptized, I need to know your salvation testimony. When did you get saved, and make sure they're clearly saved before they're baptized. I wouldn't preach anything that John's preaching. Well, either you're
1: wrong and a heretic, or John's wrong and he's a heretic. And or Jesus Christ does the same thing with the rich young ruler.
0: Right. Or we're both right, and it's a different yes. dispensation.
1: Yes. Here's uh, soldiers come up to him, what shall we do? He said unto them, exact no more than that which is appointed to you. If salvation is the same, John the Baptist is a total heretic. Right. He's damned, he's deceived. And the soldiers likewise demanded him, saying, what shall we do? I believe a jailer asked Paul, what shall we do? What did he tell him? What shall I do to be saved? Yeah. What did Paul do?
0: <laughs> Yeah. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Yes. What did John the Baptist say? Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. Be content with your wages. That's works, works, works. That is not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the total opposite. So either you guys got everything figured out wrong that don't believe dispensationalism, or this is true right. and what Paul said is true, and you rightly divide your Bible.
0: So now let me let me try to tie this back together why this is so significant in regards to John the Baptist and John the Baptist's message. Again, Matthew chapter three says this in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We talked about that. And then he says, For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Obviously, Brother Brian already dealt with that in Isaiah chapter 40. It's a prophecy concerning that. But it's not just a prophecy in Isaiah, which it is according to Matthew 3. John the Baptist fulfilled that. We also learn through other passages, this is connected with um, with uh, Daniel's 70th week, and right before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, and this same message is gonna be preached. Now again, as you mentioned, it's not gonna be preached by John the Baptist because they rejected him. It could have been, and the reason Elijah, uh, I'm sorry, John the Baptist could have been the fulfillment of Elijah is because he came in the spirit and power of Elijah, and he's preaching the same message that elijah is going to be preached and we emphasize to say all that is elijah john the baptist are not preaching believe on the lord jesus christ and that thou shalt be saved now you know this you know this ministry and message is connected with the second coming of the lord just prior to him coming for them to to for the kingdom of heaven being preached we already showed you that in matthew 24 verse 13 14. But in Malachi chapter 3, now don't miss this. Malachi chapter 3 says this, verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Isn't that what we just read about John the Baptist? Yes. That's exactly what we read about John the Baptist. But again, don't forget. mentions it. Exactly. But don't forget, because the Jews rejected it, Then it didn't count for that. And now Elijah is going to come and preach that same message. Watch this. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So this whole message is connected with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that. Look at what it says in verse 2. who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appeareth for he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. And again, so this all is connected with this messenger who's preaching the kingdom of heaven and prepare you the way of the Lord is connected with the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it shows you what John the Baptist was preaching is what Elijah is going to be preaching. Revelation chapter 11 has nothing to do with the gospel the grace of god now i've kept telling you that this goes back we've been discussing how this goes back to an old testament economy not of the saved and the lost that's the terminology for the church age but goes back to the economy of the wicked and righteous in the context of the prophecy of the coming messenger of the coming of the lord look what it says at the end of the chapter malachi chapter 3 look at verse 16 then they that feared the lord spake often one to another and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and, and that thought upon his name. Now watch this. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I'll spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Again, so he's talking about just pre- preluding his coming back. He's gonna make them up as jewels, so on and so forth. Look what it says in verse 18. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked. Watch it, between him that serveth God and the him that serveth him not. It didn't say he's gonna come back and discern between the saved and the lost. He's gonna discern between the righteous and the wicked. And again, so what you have in the tribulation period, in Daniel's 70th week, is you go back to an Old Testament economy of discerning between the wicked and the righteous, not between the saved and the lost, because they are not saved. As often some good brothers of mine who study out this subject, they say they're safe because they're considered righteous, but they're not saved. One last thing, and then we'll kind of wrap up in closing statements or any other verses you want to deal with. If you go into chapter four, again, it shows you this is all dealing with the second advent. Verse one, for behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healings in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now watch this, verse three, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet, in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Obviously, Second Advent, Battle of Armageddon. But look at the instruction he tells them here. Mm. Verse 4 Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, what? <laughs> which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Why would they have to remember the law?
1: No, it's done away.
0: Yeah, if it's done away with. And
1: this is Second Advent. Second this Advent? Is after the church.
0: Right. And he mentions who? Moses. Moses. Well, who's the two witnesses, Brother Brian? Moses and
1: Elijah.
0: Moses and Elijah, and they're instructed to remember the law I showed you in chapter three. It's discerning between the wicked and the righteous, but that's not all. Look at verse five. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So right before Hmm. the coming, of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, you're gonna have Moses and Elijah there, Revelation chapter 11. And he tells them to remember the law. And we've seen what the message that Elijah will preach. He's gonna preach the message of John the Baptist and it reverts back to an Old Testament economy of discerning the wicked from the righteous, not the saved from the lost. What's your thoughts on on, Uh, on that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it mentions the law with the statutes right. and judgments. That was done away. <laughs> uh, he took the uh, ordinances and, Nabal and Nabal the cross. The, cross right. Those, the Sabbath is done away. Circumcision is done away. You're a heretic if you preach that today. Also, Romans 10, from Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. And then I'm thinking Revelation 15, 3, mentions the song of Moses that tribulation saints are singing. It's so, I don't know how it's, if you can find a bowling ball in a bathtub, as Doc says, <laughs> you should be able to see. It's so clearly not a, a church-age dispensation, but something that stuck out when you mentioned the righteous mm. and the wicked. Right. And the righteous and the wicked. I was thinking, verses we've already covered, but Ezekiel 18, right? when a righteous man turn from his righteousness right. and do that which is wicked. And if a wicked man turn from his righteousness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live, he shall not die. And that righteous man, which we've already covered, so I'm going right. to turn there. He will die in his sins. That's right. With Matthew 8, where Jesus Christ said, believe not that I am he. If you don't believe Jesus is he, you're not saved. You're not right. born again today. You'll die in your sins. Matthew 13, 49, and 50. So shall it be at the end of the world. This matches. Yeah. Malachi, son of righteousness shall rise at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked mm. from among the just
0: mm. there it is
1: Old Testament worships, wicked just or Jews, wicked not righteous saved and lost not right. born again and dead in your sins and not not safe sinners and lost sinners all that kind of thing. That's what we read in Malachi 3 Malachi 4 that's what precedes Jesus Christ second Advent. That's the tribulation period. So yeah it's the total opposite of Paul.
0: So let's kind of let's kind of wrap up. I mean, I know we could go on and on and on. And and again, we did not cover every aspect of Brother Doug Stoffer's book. If, if you want to get it and read it, you can read it. We tried to just pull out some highlight points, some fallacies and some arguments he raised. But in this whole thing, we started off in this episode, this podcast of dealing with the protection from the deception. And again, so I submit unto you exactly what the Bible submits unto you. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 20, the Bible is very clear. It says, and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. Again, the ones that are deceived are the ones that had received the mark of the beast. Again, for me, this explains Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse ten, where it says, "And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish." Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Conditional. And again, we we told you many times that happens at the end of the tribulation. And uh, so, so the point is, those that are deceived are those that receive not the love of the truth. What we spent a good 20, 25 minutes on is telling you the love of the truth that was preached, that's going to be preached in the Great Tribulation is not the gospel of the grace of God. What is gonna be preached is the gospel of the kingdom, the everlasting gospel. Uh, We've seen John the Baptist's ministry, his message is coming back, being fulfilled in Elijah. And since they won't receive that, they deny that, they don't receive the love of the truth, Guess what, they won't be saved because they end up taking the mark of the beast. And this is why it says this in verse 11. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. And what I believe when you compare scripture with scripture, interpret all the passages and don't build your doctrine on just one or two that are taken out of context. We see the devil deceives them that had Receive the mark of the beast. I believe these ones that God sends strong delusions to are the ones that had received the mark of the beast because they received not the love of the truth, the message that's being preached during Daniel's seventh week, the great tribulation. And again, this has nothing to do with the gospel of the grace of God. Last thought, and I'll give you closing comments. So what you see here is just amazing how this book is written. Brother Brian already said this. The ones, the very elect, are the 144,000. It's not every believer. And when they are sealed with the name of the Father, they have a mark on their head, they're, they're, they're sealed and they're protected from that deception. But do you see the connection to those that receive the mark of the beast? Those are the ones that are Deceived. So if you have, if the 144,000 are not, because they've been sealed by God, but that's the only group. And the rest, they have to endure unto the end. They can't take the mark of the beast. They have to love the truth that's being preached. They got to keep the commandments of God. That's plural, not singular, the commandments of God. They got to take heed to all the preaching that we went over. And then if they don't take the mark of the beast, they won't be deceived. But if they reject that, they don't love the truth that's being preached, and they take the mark of the beast, they're gonna be deceived, and God's the one who's gonna send them strong delusions and he's gonna use the devil to deceive them, those that had taken the mark of the beast. Brother Brian, that's kind of what I have on this subject, and uh, what about you, what's your thoughts? Uh, Any closing thoughts, kind of summary, or anything else you wanna just kind of close out with?
1: I think you summed it up well. The only thing we see from Matthew 24, 24, and then Revelation 19, 10, is what you just said. Those that all, once, and that, that lines up scripture with scripture with scripture, 2 Thessalonians 2, once you reject the truth that God will show you that dispensation, a dispensation of, of truth, a giving of truth. right In the tribulation period, that truth is clearly not church age. Right. you've proved that conclusively. But once you reject that, and you take the mark of the beast, you're done. Right. God'll give you up and then it matches what Revelation 19:10 says. 2 right. Thessalonians 2 says once you reject that, you take the mark of the beast and then you're subject to you can't eat, buy or sell, your kids are starving, you're starving. You got the antichrist and the beast and the false prophet performing miracles to, to deceive you right. and you have God himself right. deceiving you. So you have no chance.
0: That's why they're damned.
1: That's why they're damned. But they received the mark they were tricked once they received the mark and then they're then they're deceived that's all the bible says he's he hasn't proved anything contrary he's reading into that about the deception but we've covered i mean hundreds of verses throughout this as far as all that just something else i would want to add i think we've covered 150 different things if there's maybe one or two we forgot i don't know if we mentioned just different instructions in Matthew 25, you have the 10 virgins. Right. And it's called a, a parable, the Gospel of the Kingdom. It's Kingdom of Heaven parables. Right. Kingdom of Heaven is a physical Jewish kingdom. Nothing to do with the Kingdom of God, which is invisible. It's peace and joy and being born again. And it's invisible and it's inside of us, the Kingdom of God. But the Kingdom of Heaven parables, Matthew 25, 1 to 13, you have 10 virgins. Five are wise, five are foolish, they didn't have enough oil. That matches everything we're saying, everything the dispensationalists believe on tribulation salvation. It's conditional. It, it, it's conditional. Right. You have to endure to the end. You have to be looking for his coming. Jesus right. Christ all throughout the gospel said, watch, watch, right. watch. If the thief would have known what hour it would, but I say unto you all, watch, watch, watch. We're supposed to be looking for Jesus Christ coming, but it's it's nothing like that. Sure, There's people that miss the coming, and they're left behind. Why right. Why do all these churches teach a lot of the charismatics it's left behind? You better be looking for them. Hebrews says, Without holiness no man shall see mm. the Lord. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without right. sin and the salvation. Could those verses actually mean what they say? Yes, yeah, they absolutely. do. But they apply to tribulation saints, not the body of Christ. We'll be caught up, whether you're at the movie theater, or whether you're, you're at a bar getting drunk, you're going to be left behind. No, you won't. You're part of the body of Christ. You're right, a bride. Right. You're caught up to get married. Genocide to Christ. But there is a group of people in the tribulation that have to endure. They can't take the mark, they have to keep the law of Moses. They have to keep his commandments. They have to keep the statutes and judgments of Moses. They have to endure to the end. They have to be looking for his coming. They have to have enough oil, whatever that even, I'm not even going to try to pretend to know what exactly that means. But they have to be looking for his coming, and they can't take the mark. This is all 100% consistent, it lines up, and he's got two verses taken out of context to try to destroy the whole doctrine of tribulation salvation, and it, again, we didn't mention just hermeneutics. Right. Just Interpreting the Bible, one of the laws, like the law of first mention, the Bible means what it says in the context it appears. That you know we all agree on how to interpret the Bible. One of them is you don't take an obscure verse or a verse that's only one or two things about, and then interpret the whole Bible in light of the uh, one or two verses. And that's what he's doing. Right. In Matthew twenty-four. About he creates this whole new doctrine that if you're saved, God gives you supernatural protection that goes against every dispensation. It goes against so all the verses we've covered. You don't interpret hundreds of verses in light of one or two. That's how you get cult. That's how you get, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the art Peter upon this rock, i build my church. Therefore, we have the whole papacy invented over one verse that is so obscure. It's like 10 different interpretations on what it means. Jesus, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Okay, I'm going to interpret 200 verses in Paul Paul's epistles in light of John 6. No, you interpret John 6 in light of the 200 clear verses. Sure. So that's what I think Brother Stauffer's doing. He just pretty much his book, other than the basic disagreements with dispensationalism, is this whole new doctrine about the the elect cannot be deceived and the elect are anybody who's saved and that proves that i'm right and nobody has to do any works it's
0: madness yeah i think you summarized a lot of that very very well a lot of things to consider again i know we covered a lot of things but uh you you did a good segue because you talked about you know how to study the bible and you know proper way to do it and that just happens to be our next podcast that we're going to get into so um again for us for me and brother brian I truly believe that we have taken the subject, tribulation, salvation. Uh, I believe we've done a fair job of representing what Brother Doug Stoffer believes. And again, if we've misrepresented him anyway, please let us know, Brother Doug Stoffer. But I believe we've done a fair job of representing what he believes and showing you in light of the scripture why it is wrong. So for me and Brother Brian, I would say for myself, I've put this subject to rest. How about you? I agree. I agree and so we're, we're gonna move on from this subject I'm not saying we'll never tackle again but that is the point of the word of a king as uh, podcast we're going to take common and controversial subjects we're going to deal with them we're going to put them at rest so I want to close out this one i encourage you to tune in to the next one we're going to do a podcast on how to study the bible i think you'll find it very interesting it won't be so controversial but i hope it'll be very beneficial to you and uh but lastly um i i do want to do this i think it's good so here here's what i want to ask you brother brian in closing do you recommend this book for a new christian do you recommend this is a good solid book you need to add to your library and uh, would you give your recommendation, theologically, this is a good book to have? No. <laughs> and uh, so I I would say my recommendation is the same. Uh, again, if you want to get it, get it. But I do not believe um, it is written with sound doctrine. I believe the spirit of it is where I mentioned is very... Uh, um, condescending and accusatory to the brethren. And, and I believe the, the few arguments that are somewhat new, and especially the one about deception, are resting the scriptures. I don't believe that they are done properly with proper biblical studies and taking the context. And uh, so we'll close out with just saying we don't recommend the book. Uh, we do recommend the couple books we gave away the last two weeks. And in regards to Tribulation Salvation, Why don't you leave a comment uh, when you watch this video on Facebook? uh, Let us know your thoughts, and we look forward to having you join us again on the Word of a King podcast, where we'll take common and controversial issues and put them to rest. Until next time, God bless. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding.